Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Matt Harmon and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Scott Pienowski is here joining me on this beautiful Sunday night, a Sunday sighting for Scott. We'd love to see it. But Scott, do you know what satisfied me today? What would that be, Matt? I mean, nothing is more satisfying, I think, Scott, than having one of your favorite players in the NFL uh, that's on, you know, all of your teams. Because you you know me, man. You know I got to draft my guys. Uh, Allen Robinson comes out, has a big game in the first round of the fantasy playoffs. I, I love to see that. That is extremely satisfying. And, and oddly enough, that's the first game we're going to jump into here. Houston at Chicago. It's a tough scene when the Bears pop off and Liz Loza isn't even here to gloat. Now, that is something you just hate to see. Um, we talked a little bit on the Wednesday show uh, with Dalton uh, that David Montgomery at this point is like becoming – I mean, he is a top 10 running back on the season. He's a player um, that – has been awesome the last few weeks and like you can cry, but the matchups, but here's the deal, Scott, the matchups, they keep, they keep, they keep showing up. I mean, this is going to keep happening because the schedule is very favorable for him the rest of the way. Um, Like again, he's, I think RB eight on the season right now. And I think he's just going to keep on cooking. He's going to be a league winner. Um, He had his best fantasy game of his career last week. His second best game was the previous week. And, And then this third best game, I believe was this game. We just saw today against Houston. And nobody wants to say it, but Mitch Trubisky has saved this offense. I mean, they were going nowhere mm-hmm. with Nick Foles. He's got no nobility. He's got plenty of nobility, but no mobility. And his <laughs> arm is, you know, isn't getting stronger. And this offense has become a lot more multiple and dynamic. I, I know a lot of it was garbage time against Green Bay, but they blew out Houston. I know it's not a good Houston team, but that was an A to Z beat down by the Bears. They did whatever they want. Well over 400 yards of offense, which was their second best offensive day of the year. And what did Trubisky do? He got Montgomery going. He's been great with Robinson for three straight games. And Robinson produces with everybody, as you know. That's why we love him. But he's showing connection with Trubisky. The tight ends were involved. It, it kind of hurts that, that Komet and Graham cannibalized each other. But, I mean, yeah. you know, seven targets for Komet and a touchdown from Graham. If you played either one of those guys, at least you felt like you, you had a chance to produce. Bears look like a real football team right now. And as you said, the schedule, Minnesota, we know they have a good offense, but you can do anything you want against that defense. And then Jacksonville in week 16, and it's a weather-protected game in Jacksonville. You would think that's probably safe from the elements. I had Montgomery ranked at five this week, and I, I just regret that 
I get a little lazy with my DFS stuff. I didn't put in a lot of stuff until the, the second window because I would have played Montgomery. He was in the, the stuff we put out on Thursday. I mean, he, he looked like an obvious play, I think. Anybody who rostered him would have started him today. A lot of people would have DFSed him. And David Montgomery, league winner. And again, it's because Trubisky is making this offense viable again. 100%. And I think it became obvious during Nick Foles' run as the starter that, like, you know, you can be as versed in the system or whatever as you want. You know, you could – I mean, I think, obviously, Foles in, at his peak is a better thrower of the football. But it's 2020, man. If you're a statue – you're you're leaving the entire operation hopeless and like Nick Foles as you said a net negative uh, on the move net negative uh, with his legs at least Trubisky brings you that which is key in this offense too because it's a very chaotic environment with all the offensive line problems so yeah I mean totally even even Trubisky is a guy that you know Yahoo won't move him off 22 bucks in daily fantasy like matchup matchup no matter what it is man he's somebody that you can play every single week if you're looking to kick up uh, the, the kick up at some of your other spots like pay up for if you're an idiot like me pay up for guys like Aaron Jones you want to pay up for Derrick Henry uh the the actual smart move there you could go that direction um and look here's the deal we're talking about all these favorable matchups Chicago gets Minnesota next week they're still a pretty beatable defense they're not a total joke anymore but they're still beatable Jacksonville in week 16 and week 17 if you're playing daily fantasy and we assume all the Bears guys will still be out there because Matt Nagy will probably be trying to get some momentum here to to keep his job Week 17, they get Green Bay. So the schedule keeps on going for them. Uh, on the Houston side, this was this was tough to watch uh, because everyone expects the narrative, obviously, to be, oh, this is this is why you uh, this is why we just get to all clown on Chicago all day for taking uh, Trubisky over Watson. Obviously, still the wrong move. Obviously, still terrible. But Houston gets rocked in this one. Uh, if anything fantasy-wise that we can take out of this. At least Kiki Cutie continues to be a factor. Only three targets on the day, lost a fumble, but did score a touchdown. Uh, Continuing to do work for fantasy managers and also embarrassing Bill O'Brien at the same time, which, uh, you know, that's always good to see. Yeah, and, you know, Chad Hansen, little PPR juice, caught all seven of his targets. Kind of the predictable game for Houston. They fell behind. They had the junk, the running game. I'm not sure if David Johnson and Duke Johnson are different people anymore. I think they're just kind no. of the same guy, and they, they just don't go anywhere. The offensive line has not played well. I, I think I speak for everybody when I say we, we just can't wait to see Deshaun Watson have help again, have an offensive yes. line that's up to code, have coaching that's actually modern. You know, it, They certainly didn't have anything cooking in the O'Brien days, and there was a little bit of a bounce after that. But now that you take away Fuller and Cooks, what can you expect Watson to do? He's been running a lot more proactively. He's getting like 30 to, to 45 rushing yards every week, Watson. And I, I think this is not a desperation. that Guys aren't open. He's trying to expend plays. He, he's a, an athlete. He's a warrior. He's a competitor. I thought he played a lot better than the final score looks and the box score looks. He just doesn't have a lot of help right now. Yeah, I would agree. And I feel like, you know, this is narrative driven and everything like that. I I have no proof for this statement, but I bet the Bears defense, you know, I saw uh, Khalil Mack obviously had a great rush on Watson. They they looked like they came to play after probably uh, not enjoying hearing about like a lack of effort on that side of the ball the last couple of weeks um, as the offense continues to circle the drain. Um, Six sacks for this for the Bears today, too. So the the defense finally playing like the name brand that it has. Exactly. Now let's move on to our next game. This one is pretty exciting too. Uh, obviously, Chiefs at Miami. The Chiefs come away with the win, but plenty of good takeaways um, for this one. You know, my big takeaway out of this one for the Chiefs side of it 
I, I was surprised by how many like Clyde Edwards Alaire questions I got going into this week because on one hand I understand it, you know, you took Edwards Alaire really high in fantasy drafts in August. You know, um he was hyped up religiously by basically analysts across across the board. Hopefully you're not using that as like a start sit decision maker at this point of the year. But also you do want to attack uh the Dolphins on the ground. You don't really want to attack them through the air. But the Chiefs backfield, Scott, it hasn't been a good place to target like any fantasy predictability since they got Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Edwards Lair has not seen more than 15 carries uh, since they got Bell. You know, he's also not cleared 70 yards on the ground. Bell hasn't really been a factor either. I really just don't think that you can start either of these guys, almost regardless of the matchup at this point. Yeah, the Chiefs are a funny team right now because they're on an eight-game winning streak, but they haven't covered since week eight, and it feels like they're just leaving points on on the table on the field every week Mahomes a god you know a, a very rare multiple interception day for Mahomes but you're not all the picks for his fault we we don't need to talk about how great Patrick Mahomes is we we all got that one <laughs> on a day where Hill didn't get a lot of touches he still scored two touchdowns Kelsey he's open even when he doesn't look open he's open there's just no way to cover that guy I feel like if they wanted to get 250 yards for Kelsey in any game they could I think they could have probably broken the record with Hill a few weeks ago against Tampa Bay and that's not a bad defense so there's the three amigos. Those guys are great. We know what to do with them. You know, Watkins is is a guy who just he's more valuable than the Chiefs than he is for fantasy. He runs a lot of routes that helps other people be productive. He was in the 50s today in yardage, didn't score. It's kind of a Sammy Watkins day. If you had McCole Hardman scoring a touchdown today, good for you. He's only got four touchdowns. He doesn't get a lot of targets. I think he was targeted three times today. You mentioned Edwards Hilaire not able to get off in the ground game. You know, he actually was over his rushing prop. I, I heard some guys talking about this today. And then two late runs for negative yardage pushed him under it. That's just oh. the type of year it's been for Edwards Alaire where he Bad just can't beat, get a break. Yeah. There's been games where he's gotten goal line looks. They haven't materialized at the touchdowns. Other times he hasn't gotten the work. Still, I mean, look, Andy Reid knows talent. I, I think he's Edwards Alaire, the key with him is going to be a short memory because I think there's going to be a buying opportunity next year at the draft table. Yep. And I, I still think all the reasons you liked him coming out of LSU, all the reasons you liked him coming to Kansas City are all going to be viable next year. And so maybe a discount will apply. But, you, you know, Matt, I, I made a bunch of playoffs in, in my Yahoo leagues and my other fantasy leagues, and a lot of teams were playing against Chiefs today. And when I say Chiefs, I mean a lot of Tyreek Hill, a lot of Travis Kelsey. That was exhausting. Because you just can't stop those guys. Those guys are going to, and, and the, the schedule is really favorable. The Saints next week is tough, but then they get, I forget who they get in week 16, but it's somebody juicy. It's somebody that they're going to put 40 up against. I just wonder when they're going to cover again. Because again, it's been since week eight since they got a cover. I think sometimes the Chiefs feel like maybe they can turn it on and turn it off like a faucet. But still, uh, Kelsey, Hill, Mahomes are going to be on a lot of championship rosters. Not that you needed me to tell you that, but I guess I'll tell you anyway. Well, Chiefs get the Falcons in Week 16. That's right, the, right. The juicy match. <laughs> That's the juicy matchup that you're talking about, and I think that does uh, count. Now, I totally agree with your points about uh, Edward Zelaya, right? Because let's not forget the last memory that we had of him before Bell entered the mix here. He had 26 carries for 161 yards and four catches against the Bills. Like, yes. that Tour is still within his range of outcomes 
if Bell had just never been signed here, I think we wouldn't be having this discussion. But because he's involved, and I do think they're, like you mentioned, some of the runs for negative yardage uh, as the game was sort of expiring. I, they have been a bad short yardage team all year. And, and I don't think that's just an edwards Elaire problem. I think that is a Chiefs problem. We have to also say they're continuing to miss Mitchell Schwartz, their best right tackle. I mean, Mitchell Schwartz is out there live tweeting through games like us bozos. So, I mean, that is certainly a problem for the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's talk about the other side of it, too. I, I, I think people, maybe people, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I feel that folks are being too hard on Tua, but I do think it's not being accounted for enough that, you know, when Devontae Parker left this game, and then Mike Gusecki left this game at another point, too. But I, I remember tweeting just for, right before Gusecki's second touchdown, I think, like, this is a preseason roster that two is playing with from a skill position group. Obviously, Miles Gaskin goes on the, the COVID list. If you chased the backfield for any reason, you kind of got burned by that. DeAndre Washington wasn't anything special. Lynn Bowden Jr., they're using him as more of a slot receiver. He has 82 yards on seven catches. But, you know, we're talking about guys like Matt Collins, Jakeem Grant, Adam Shaheen, um, it, it, again, DeAndre Washington's your starting back. This is not really an NFL caliber group of skill position players when you remove Parker from the equation. And Parker and, and Tua aren't even really firing on all cylinders together as it is. Yeah, well said. It, it did look like a preseason game, and, and the box score looks like it. I mean, 11 different players were targeted for the Dolphins. You, you feel like – I don't know that Tua has run enough reps and, and had enough game reps with anybody to really have a rapport with anybody. And just when he finally was clicking with – Gasecki, he gets the what is a collarbone injury. It sounds like he's done for the year. Yeah, so that did, certainly didn't look good. So Bowden is is the takeaway here, the guy that maybe you could be placing a an offer for if you're you're still alive in the semifinals. Has running back eligibility. You know, I had a bunch of Gase- of um, Gaskin teams that all of a sudden needed a running back, so I did the snap pick up a Washington just because there's nobody else available in, in some of these leagues where I was just looking for some volume. And the fact that he got double digit carries, I would have taken that before the game, knowing that they probably wouldn't amount too much. We know that Miami, you know, their running backs have not run for touchdowns this year. I mean, Gaskin, I think only has two. Yeah, and and they've gone through so many guys. Remember the Jordan Howard experiment for a while. Uh, Breida hasn't been able to be healthy, and now he's got the COVID issue. I have no idea who their running back will be next week. I like that Tua played a lot better after halftime because he really was struggling at half, and I'm sure mm-hmm. some people were thinking, why aren't they benching him? But they got to find out about their future. Their goal yeah. is to make the playoffs. Their goal is to be a, a championship contender in a year or two. I thought their defense played reasonably well. You just There's just no good way to defend the Chiefs. I thought Miami yeah. showed up in this game. And, of course, i, I got to mention for the people out there who are, who are, shall we say, investing in these outcomes, uh, a classic cover from Miami. They were down two scores late. <laughs> they kicked the, they did the, we'll kick the field goal and hope for the miracle onside kick, Hail Mary, which Tough almost team. nobody does, but it's a smart move, especially if you're holding a Miami plus seven and a half ticket like some of us might have been. So um, hats off to you, Brian Flores. But, you know, Miami's kind of who we thought they were scrappy defense, really smart. They don't beat themselves, but it's hard to compete with a team like the Chiefs when you don't have your offense, your number one varsity offense on the field. And today, Miami just didn't. Yeah. Hey, any normal team, you drop the quarterback for a 30 yard sack. uh, You pick them off three times. You're probably going to win that game. The Chiefs just aren't a normal team. Patrick Mahomes is not a normal quarterback. The regular rules that we apply to football just don't really apply to this guy. So, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs, uh, uh, they, they obviously made mistakes. But they were in it. Uh, never really felt like they were going to lose this game, at least to me, um, once they got that lead. Let's move on to uh, the Vikings at the Bucks. Now, a team 
that did feel like they might have put the better product out on the field was the Minnesota Vikings, but they continued to kind of shoot themselves in the foot, made a bunch of mistakes. The Bucks end up winning this game. From a fantasy angle, uh, my guy, I guess he's become my guy, Ronald Jones. Uh, he's on a bunch of my teams uh, just by happenstance. Uh, and Leonard Fournette, obviously a late scratch, a healthy and active in this game. Let left Ronald Jones to be the guy in the backfield, and things went pretty well for the Buccaneers offense, but it still feels like they're, and and I hate the fact that we're still talking about this here in December, Scott, it still feels like not everybody is on the same page with this team. And that is uh, particularly frustrating. Yeah. It was a really hard day for a lot of things here. If you had Tampa Bay interest, other than Jones, nobody returned value that the game was well in hand in the second half. Tampa Bay sat back on defense. They Brady didn't throw a lot of passes. Nobody absorbed a big target share. The one long, Touchdown with the Scotty Miller, who I don't know how you could have come up with Miller, given these three receivers in front of him. He's just not on the field enough. I do think he's an interesting guy. I always think it's interesting when outside receivers don't – they have the, the size maybe of a slot guy, but they play outside. Um, he's, he's I think he leads the team in yards per target. So you know Miller's not a throwaway, but you can't play him with the big three in front of him. You'd you like to see what Jones brought. And on the Minnesota side, I mean, Dan Bailey was missing kicks left and right. He missed an extra point. I think he missed three field goals. It was a day where I thought there'd be a fair amount of scoring in this game. Minnesota was in the mid-300s in yardage. Tampa Bay barely crept over 300. So it felt like if you didn't land on Jones in this game, I think anything, you know, Dalvin Cook was good. Wasn't great. You'll take it. A rare off game for Jefferson and Thielen. Uh, Cousins was sacked six times. The offensive line didn't play particularly well. I'll have to go back and look of how much. You know, whenever anybody gets sacked a bunch of times, there's always going to be half the room will say, oh, the offensive line stinks. And half the room will say, what's he doing? <laughs> Get rid of the ball. Call a different yeah. play. Hit your hot receiver. I, I'll have to look at the game a little closer to actually divvy up the, the blame on that because I, I wasn't watching every snap of this game. But I felt disappointed that I had some Evan shares, didn't go anywhere. I mean, if you had Thielen or Jefferson, those guys are so good. You get to play them every week. I mean, Jefferson gets nine targets. They go almost nowhere. And unfortunately, now we probably have to, just when I thought we all agreed that Kirk Cousins was a really good quarterback, we're probably going to sit through the the mess of, of Kirk Cousins' Twitter, which is a, a very um, unsavory place to be. And, 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 you know, I guess in the middle of the night, I'm going to wake up screaming. It's probably going to be Dan Bailey just missed another kick. I, I think they have to find a new kicker in Minnesota. How's that for a fantasy takeaway? Yeah, uh, I think Mike Zimmer said after the game, we're not at a point where we can worry about anybody's feelings anymore, which means uh, Dan Bailey's not going to be on Thanks, that Dan. team. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I think that the, the the frustrating part for Tampa Bay, exactly as you said it, you know, Scott Miller gets a long touchdown, but it kind of brings me to the point that like, I think they were better with Miller as their third receiver than they were when they had Antonio Brown there. And that just, it is what it is. I, I think that it, I, I continue to think it was a bad move to bring him in just because you're, you're a team that already had so much coalescing to do in a short period of time. And just when it kind of felt like in October and the first week of November, they were starting to find themselves. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the offenses started to get really shaky the moment they introduced this massive new um, piece that doesn't know, you know, doesn't know what's going on. So uh, it's great it's point. Tough. That's solved. I like to say I totally agree. I like to say the Brown signing solved a problem they didn't have. The yeah. offense was fine. They have plenty of skill talent. And they bring in a guy, and Brady still doesn't really know who his guy is. And, and you know, we, we see this with NBA teams, and I think this is true with football teams, too. You need to have a hierarchy, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice mm-hmm. It's nice to say, oh, we have a bunch of different guys. We'll throw to the open guy. We'll throw to the good matchup. But you need to have an understanding of how everybody slots and what roles are. And I still think Tampa Bay's figuring out what they want to do and what their identity is in the passing game. I don't think they have one. And, again, just to piggyback what you said, I think Brown – 
it sounded nice. It, it's like a sports car that you don't need that, that's in the shop a lot. Or, yeah. you know, it's like I got a reliable car already. You know, things are going are going just fine. They have plenty of talent at the receiver position. And I think they got seduced by who Brown was two or three years ago. And it, it just seems like that just gets in the way of the progress of this offense, the continuity of this offense. Yeah, and I think people act like Tom Brady and Antonio Brown have this long-standing connection. But these guys, I mean, you know this, Scott, they had like a cup of coffee together in New England, and that's it. So, uh, yeah. One game that in is, New England, yeah. Yeah, that is what it is. All right, let's move on to our next game here, Arizona at New York. This game was surprising to me because I thought the Giants' defense had stacked several good performances on top of each other, and it's not as if the Cardinals came back in here and were a world beating offense, but they win 26 to seven. And I thought the most important things from this game is they got back to the two things they've done pretty well all year, which is number one, they've run the ball really well over 159 rushing yards between the two backs and Kyler Murray and the Deandre Hopkins connection was back with another big game, him and Kyler Murray. And uh, I, I talked about this on, I think the Wednesday show with Dalton, I definitely talked about it in my metrics column, but like, they did a decent job moving uh, Hopkins around the field. Like he had two big catches, one from the right side of the field, one from the from one from the slot. Whereas opposed to going into this game, he was lining up at left wide receiver like on eighty five percent of his snaps, which is unbelievable. Like you never see that. He was still up there around seventy percent, but still nice to see Cliff Kingsbury move the guy around, try to get some good matchups there. Yeah, it was a get back game for the Arizona offense. It, it didn't start off maybe on the best footing because the goal line stand for the Giants on that first series. But I, I like what they did with Hopkins. I thought Kenyon Drake eventually got his sea legs. I thought Murray was a little bit more proactive as a runner, and that's you know, been the big story, right? How, how hurt is he? Does he want to run? He maybe wasn't running with the reckless abandon he had early in the year, but it was certainly a part of his game and a part of their offense, mm-hmm. and we know how dangerous they can be when that's going on. Arizona almost 400 yards of offense, and you look at the Giants, I mean, would they have 10 first downs, I think it was? I mean, they, oh, it was tough. I thought the Giants' defense actually played okay. It's just you can't – if your defense is asked to hold up the whole game and the offense can't support you, eventually that just collapses. It's just – it's like a weight added – you add extra weight to your back, eventually your back breaks. And mm-hmm. I thought the, the Giants' offense – broke the back of the Giants defense. I still like the Giants defense an awful lot. I think they're well coached. I think they play hard. I think they have impact players where you need them. They're really a good tackling team too. But if Daniel Jones can't get over his pocket awareness, I mean, for a couple of games, he didn't have turnovers and he was hurt for a while. Uh, He immediately was giving up sacks and giving up the ball. You can't play like that. And, yeah, other than Wayne Gallman, who's the boring volume guy who has goal line equity. I mean, how can you go near anything on the Giants right now? I, you may have to play Ingram because tight end is terrible. I like all their receivers as general talents. I don't like them on this offense. I think the Giants try to win every game 17 to 10 or, th- or 13 to 7. And it's going to be very difficult for fantasy. It's, it's going to be really ugly. And other than Gallman, I don't know how you can get near anything. But at least the good thing here is we saw Kyler Murray back closer to the form we expect Kyler Murray to be. I mean, this guy was, I think, quarterback one coming into this game, and yet a lot of people were afraid to play him this week, and with just <laughs> reason. It's just nice to see him doing Kyler Murray things again. Yeah, I feel like we were kind of... We don't really care about much on the Giants anyways, outside of Wayne Gallman, like you said. Uh, and you know, 12 carries for 57 yards, three catches in this one. It is what it is. You, I think you got to kind of take that one. But I kind of wonder if they rushed Daniel Jones back, you know? Um, I, I think they might have, which is weird because I thought Colt McCoy is like the type of guy who could keep the ship afloat. But I, I also think, too, Jason Garrett did a pretty good job calling plays against Seattle, did not love his work today. So 
Yeah, it was it was pretty brutal for for the Giants, but like you said, the the Arizona side of it's the most important, and they did get back on track in this one, so that's good to see. Next game here, Tennessee at Jacksonville. The story of this game, obviously, is King Henry. Scott, I mean, coming into the year, everybody is talking about there's a clear top tier of running backs. It goes Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, Alvin Kamara, and maybe we let Derrick Henry, maybe we let Derrick Henry onto that first tier. But I don't know because of the lack of passing game work. Let me tell you what, this if there, there's one guy that's ruling above them all right now. is Derrick Henry. He might win his second rushing title, be the first guy to do that since LaDainian Tomlinson in back-to-back years. He did it in 2006 and 2007, I think. Uh, Derrick Henry might do it here in 2019-2020. He leads the NFL in rushing yards right now with a 100 over 100-yard gap between him and Dalvin Cook in second place. You know, it's fun to see a power back, which Henry ostensibly is a power back, who breaks off so many secondary runs. You know, he can score from anywhere on the field, even though I, I still think of, of him as a between-the-tackles grinder. I, I'm always going to believe, Matt, that he could catch 40 passes if they wanted to. They just don't Me include too. that in their playbook. He had a couple of catches today, so, you know, you get a little bit of a PPR bump. I had him very steady as my number five or number six player all summer. But unfortunately, if I landed in the top four, I would have taken one of the other running backs. And although Kamara has been perfectly fine, the other three guys haven't worked out for different reasons. Nice to see A.J. Brown just back to A.J. Brown things. I mean, you know, he had some drops. He had a a costly fumble around the goal line last week. You've talked about this a lot, I know, on Twitter and, and in some of your work. Drops aren't a big deal. As long as you're good enough that you're going to get the ball the next week or the next month or the next season, don't care. They're just they're going to, you know, sometimes guys drop the ball and the best receivers in football have had drops. As long as it's not going to cost you the job or the opportunity or the confidence, your offense, don't worry about it. And Brown showed that today. And at least with Jacksonville, uh, it was a bad game for their offense all around. But but James Robinson did bust off a late run and at least had a solid yardage day. He also had a touchdown called back by penalty. And I thought it's hard to tell what what you do with a quarterback change in the middle of a game. But I thought there was more juice with Gardner Minshew uh, than Mike Glennon. And I've always been a little bit of a Minshew apologist slash sympathizer. I'm not saying he's, he's got top, top 12, top 15 upside real life, but I think he could be a lower end starter or a really good backup. He was a guy who was drafted late. Um, it's not like they brought him in as, as with any expectations. He did play a year for Mike Leach, which, which I think is really good for development of a quarterback. You're sure going to throw the ball a lot in a Mike Leach offense. I think he gives him a chance to be respectable. I, I'm curious. I, I'm probably going to play him in Superflex formats if he gets to start the next two weeks, which I think he probably will. And that makes me – now, Glennon played okay for a couple of weeks. I, I guess it's kind of understandable that he crashed back today, although Tennessee's defense isn't that great. But I want to see what Minshew can do the next two weeks, and maybe I'm crazy. I'm a little bit excited for it. Yeah, I think he's the best quarterback on the roster, almost no question. Like, I think he can be a, a solid backup quarterback – through for the rest of his career, Gardner Minshew, a guy that if your starter goes down and you got to throw Minshew out there, you can you can get by and maybe do more than get by for a month, month and a half, something like that. Ryan Fitzpatrick type, a cult hero. I'm just gonna say, he reminds me yeah. of Fitzy. He reminds me of young Fitzy. Yeah, totally. Like those guys are are channeling each other's energies just a couple of decades apart. I, I think so. I think he's the best quarterback on the roster. Glennon had a good debut game. He was top 12 in EPA per play in his first start. But since then, the cracks have started to show up. The wheels fall off fall off in this one, which, again, is, is not unexpected. A statuesque, tall pocket quarterback in a non-perfect offensive environment, as we talked about with Nick Foles. Glennon is like the poor man's version of that. So, of course, at some point, that was going to go 
poorly. I, I do think if Minshew starts the rest of the way, we've got a little more excitement for guys like DJ Chark who have not uh, popped up much lately. We've got excitement for guys like James Robinson. So that is, I think, good news for fantasy. So I, I just want to clear this up. So, and I love the way you comped it. So if Glennon is the Permanence Foles and maybe Minshew is a, you know, is a, new version of Fitzpatrick. Does that make Jake Luton, I don't know, Brock Osweiler 2.0 or something like that? You know? <laughs> um, so good luck, Jacksonville. I, I hope you, you pick wisely, uh, you know, with your quarterback selection, in the 2021 NFL draft. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my, my good buddy, Eric Stoner, not on Twitter anymore, but in, in all of our hearts on football Twitter, uh, he, he used to always say that if you're going to be a pocket quarterback in the modern NFL, you better be like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, elite level, yeah, Marino, yeah. you you got to be able to do that type of stuff get guys in the right position because once your skills start to decline you completely fall off the table and i think that's where glennon and nick Foles is honestly at this point yeah i Let's feel move. i feel like if you have if you have one obvious deficiency as a quarterback you have to be great at everything else yeah yeah then uh, otherwise teams just hammer that and just uh, can exploit that guy who had been getting exploited the last couple of weeks, but not so much today. Again, where the hell is Liz? She's not on the show where we're talking about the Bears dominating the Houston Texans and then Drew Locke, her guy Drew Locke, dominating the Carolina Panthers. Four passing touchdowns for Drew Locke. Now, Scott, I don't know if you caught much of this game. I always hate watch the Panthers a little bit because, uh, you know, I'm a tortured human being that loves to feel pain. But I thought with this game, it said more about the Panthers' defense, I think, than Drew Locke. I mean, K.J. Hamler, a guy who can run routes and is a very fast, quick feed. Jerry Judy, obviously, we know he's a pro-level route runner. Those two guys were cooking poor Rasul Douglas. I mean, K.J. Hamler hauls in a couple of catches, both of them for touchdowns. He absolutely, some of those double moves he put on Rasul Douglas, I still feel bad for the guy. So, credit to Drew Locke. He hits those passes. I still feel the same way about Drew Locke, which is that this should, this offense should look more like this every week because they've got talent. Tim Patrick scored again. He's underrated. Fant missed the game with the, like an illness type of situation. We have no idea. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe you do. But they got players, man. They should look more like this team uh, much more often than they do. Yeah, I almost think it would be a trap if Drew Locke finishes the season strongly because it might think Denver has something, a quarterback, that they really don't. I love their skill talent. They have perfectly fine running backs, and they have receivers and running and, and tight ends that I love. Obviously, they haven't had Court and Sutton pretty much all year, but this team is loaded. Tim Patrick's good football player. Jerry Judy's yeah. going to be very good. Fant, you know, wasn't a factor today, but he's going to be very good someday. But you need a better quarterback than Locke, and I hope this game doesn't trick them up to the thinking that they have something that they don't. I, I have to say, man, this is so frustrating. In one of my leagues where I needed to, to add some stuff, I cut Mike Davis early last week. Uh, and then, yeah. uh, you know, and I was back playing the, the dumpster dive at the end of the week. I think that's one of my uh, DeAndre Washington teams, you know, because I needed Gaskin. And I often say that if you don't, if you never make a pickup uh, and drop that you regret, if you never cut a player that you regret, you're playing too conservatively. But maybe I could have waited another day to just make sure <laughs> McCaffrey was coming back. It seemed like the, the tea leaves were that he was going to come back. And I guess I was wrong of me to make any assumption. Caroline is going nowhere this year. They have no reason to force McCaffrey into the lineup. Uh, Davis had another perfectly playable fantasy game. Uh, would it take a congressional order to get Robbie Anderson in the end zone? He's had a nice touchdown, uh, a nice uh, season. <laughs> we know he's one of the temple connection guys, you know, which is the, the right, the magic password. 
in, in Carolina, but I'd just like to see him in the end zone again. Uh, it was nice to see Curtis Samuel playing well. Uh, too bad DJ Moore couldn't couldn't go this week, and I guess Ian Thomas just retired from the NFL, and I don't know about it. But um, it, it felt like a Carolina game. Their offense is just frisky enough to be excited without thinking mm-hmm. that they really have a future. I, I don't know if Bridgewater is good enough. I guess that's maybe that both of these quarterbacks, they're mid-level quarterbacks who struggle with the, you know, the harsh realities of stardom. You know, They're both kind of almost famous quarterbacks. I don't know if you can get to the cover of Rolling Stone with these guys. Yeah, I feel like with Teddy Bridgewater, his team probably has a, a clearer vision of that, and I think it's becoming more and more apparent. Teddy had some great moments to start the year, but – it's just not their long-term answer. And I think the team probably knows that. I think that a younger player will be involved at some point. And I I think it's sort of um, a chicken and egg thing. Like why Robbie Anderson doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. Teddy Bridgewater doesn't throw a lot of touchdowns either. You know, he throws, he's thrown a decent amount to Mike Davis this year because he loves to check down, man. I mean, on the fourth down, that was the Panthers final uh, play of the game. He checked the ball down short of the sticks. I couldn't believe it. But I mean, if you watch Teddy Bridgewater's career, you, you probably could believe it. So maybe I shouldn't be so surprised, but yeah, that, that this offense, it's leveled off to a point where, these guys like Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, they're going to hover around 10 yards per catch, sometimes go under that. DJ Moore being absent is certainly a problematic part for them. Uh, we, we'll see when if maybe Christian McCaffrey gets back this week. I, I think at some point he's going to play this year. I think he's just that type of guy, and the team wants him to get back out there if he wants to. And last thing on, on Drew Locke, number one, you make a great point. We're sitting here talking about KJ Hamler played well. These tight ends kind of popped up a little bit. Jerry, Judy, Tim Patrick, they get to drop Cortland frickin' Sutton uh, into this team next year. Like, don't forget about that guy. He's he's a potential top 15, top 20 NFL wide receiver right now and still probably an ascending talent. And it's this is just like what we saw last year. Drew Locke finished the season pretty well, convinced him to go in to 2020 without any like real competition for this guy. So hopefully Denver doesn't get caught up in the four touchdowns today. But if you benefit at all in fantasy, good for you. Uh, one of the many revenge games here in this, this week was obviously the Andy Dalton, uh, Cincinnati Bengals revenge game, Dallas and Cincinnati. This game was a blowout. Nothing really interesting to talk about here. Um, other than maybe things are getting interesting in terms of Dallas's backfield. Pollard, Elliot. I even heard Daniel Jeremiah say Pollard's got more juice on his podcast this week. And I think anybody's watching these games can see um, Pollard's probably got a little bit more juice than Zeke at this point. Yeah, yeah, Dallas got to get their yayas out. Um, I think they're eliminated from playoff contention, but they, they pushed around a Bengals team that you should be able to push around. Dalton threw a couple of touchdowns. I guess Brandon Allen's just good enough that if you wanted to play a Cincinnati receiver, you, you could do it. Um, nothing's really happened in, in the Bengals' backfield. Um, man, I've, I've just been depressed with that team since they lost Joe Burrow. And, yeah. and I feel like it was a malpractice with the offensive line and the deep drops they were asking him. And, and Burrow would take the hits and hold the ball. I mean... Um, often to a fault, but I feel like an idiot for picking Cincinnati in this game. I, I just couldn't give points on the road with Dallas. And I don't, I don't even feel like Dallas played that great. I mean, they had the defensive touchdown early in the game. The game was out of hand so early and Dallas could just kind of run the ball and, and get both their backs involved and kind of cruise to a victory. I, I don't, I don't know that there's a great takeaway here. What are you going to do? Let me ask you this. What are you going to be doing with Michael Gallup? Next year, he went over a thousand in 2019. This year, he's been, you know, their clear out guy, their their deep route guy. He when they throw it to him, it's the low percentage target stuff. They'll presumably, I think, they'll get things solved with Dak. I, I don't know how soon he'll be healthy again, 
But a lot of people probably burned on Gallup as a fourth or fifth round pick this year. What would you do with him next year? We know Glam's really good. Is Cooper a free agent? I forget his status off the top of my head. They just signed him to a big contract extension. Oh, right, right. That's right. They can they can get out of it going into the twenty twenty two season. But Cooper has played so well this year, and I think yeah. exceeded my expectations. Him. From yeah, they'll probably want to keep him around. I think Gallup's a guy that could move on whenever his contract uh, is up because they have Cooper, they have C D Lamb. Presumably, they'll still keep restocking that cupboard. Man, I loved Gallup coming into this year. I, I don't think he's and elite talent or anything like that. He's not one of, you know, my guys or whatever, but at the same time I drafted him a ton because I wanted exposure to this Dallas offense. And I thought he was going at the most, I was just kind of like, again, this was a dumb take, but I was fading. I was fading mostly rookies this year, rookie wide receivers that ended up looking pretty stupid. (laughs) I thought I had good reason to do it. So I wasn't drafting too. Yeah. 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 No, No prep time in the summer, right? Sure. Yeah, I should have. I mean, I had Greg Jennings on this damn podcast, and he told me that was a wrong take, and I still didn't listen to him. <laughs> so what do I know? What do I know? Yeah, I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'll just listen to myself. Over, well, how good uh, was Greg Jennings as a rookie? I think he was like a second or third year pop, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. So when he's one of the smartest receivers, talk about a technician, man. That guy was a yeah. clinic. Yeah, he was awesome. Hopefully, we can get get him back on the show again this offseason. He was great. But um, yeah, Michael Gallup is interesting because you would think that. When this offense is humming again with Dak, like they could be that team that they were at the early part of this year where they're just throwing it all over the yard because I think they might look at this as, okay, this is the year we have to fix the offensive line. We've got to get that right because I think they're closer to being a top three offense than they are being an average defense. So if Dallas is smart, that is a big if, if Dallas is smart, I think they go all in on this offense. And that could just make all of these guys Exactly what they probably would have been this year, which is league-winning assets. So we'll see. I, I think I think you're right, though. People are going to be burned, and I will be tempted to take that discount once again. And we know also offense has more continuity year over year than defense, so it makes sense to go all in. Like I love the way Buffalo built their team. Right? Okay, we got Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. You know, he was playing with just you know, journeyman receivers his rookie year. Let's add. Let, let's draft guys. Let's trade for guys. Let's sign guys in free agency. Stuff like that. Let's get this table, and that's why I love Dallas when they didn't essentially need a receiver, but they saw CD Lamb available. You know, let's build an offense that's going to threaten the entire field. And man, Dak, I know he wasn't playing perfect football when he got hurt, but they were going to set records. He was going to yeah. have a great chance, I think, at a yardage record. And this was going to be this. This could have been the best fantasy offense in 2020 had Prescott not gotten hurt. Yeah, we're it's like a depressing quarterback bowl. This uh, this particular one, Dallas and Cincinnati, like both of these guys just robbed uh, from having really special seasons. So let's move on to something a little bit more special, which was uh, Jalen Hurts starting for the Eagles. I will totally cop to going on FFL this morning and saying. Do not play Miles Sanders. I think I had good reason for saying it, right? 18 touches over the last two games. I kind of wanted to see it first. What is the Jalen Hurts experience going to be like for this team? I don't know about you, Scott. I watched a ton of this game, and I felt like immediately it was just pop. There's energy to this team. There's life to this team. You know, the conspiracy theorists are out there saying, hey, Alshon Jeffrey doesn't make that catch for Carson Wentz. Uh, And I'm a little tempted to buy into that. So this offense looked like it had energy. It looked like it had life right away. Hurts, obviously, if you played him in fantasy, I used him in my DFS lineup. He goes for over 100 yards on the ground. That was cool to see. Obviously, Sanders, two touchdowns, has a big 82-yard touchdown run as one of those scores. And, you know, you can obviously connect dots to rushing quarterback. Does it boost the run game? All of that. It was just honestly great to see an Eagles offense that didn't make me want to claw my eyes out. 
Yeah, I, I get it on Sanders. I mean, we, we knew Hertz would run a lot, and we weren't sure how good Hertz would be as a passer. Would they sustain offense? Remember, the Eagles had just been scoring like 17 points a week in perpetuity. So it's not that he was a must bench for anybody, I think. But I think the, the questions I was fielding on Sanders, people had other alternatives that were pretty good. It's not like people were asking to bench him for DeAndre Washington or anything, at least not that I yeah. saw. I saw people with good, you know, Melvin Gordon, you know, guys like that, players who were legitimately top 20 running backs. So I get it. To me, the big story was going to be here. Would Hurts, they, the, the scuttlebutt, and I never know how much teams want to float things out in the media, how much to take from that, if it means anything or not. But the whole scuttlebutt before the game was that Hurts is the guy the rest of the year, so long as he doesn't face plant, so long as he shows something. And we saw immediately, like a quarter into this game, like, oh, that's it. It's Hurts yeah. the rest of the way. They, yeah. you know, the, the, Doug Peterson may be coaching for his job. All of a sudden, with the, with the Giants losing, and I don't know the status of Alex Smith, but you know Washington didn't look great in their game. They did get a win. The Eagles could still win this division. They have a Washington game in Week 17, uh, so they're b- right back in play. Check those odds on BetMGM, by the way. I've been checking the NFC East odds every week. The Eagles were 14 to one before this week, which I thought was a little bit misguided. If you could get to the Eagles somehow pulling off this this upset, and you know Taysom Hill. He did throw for 291 in this game, but you know, the, the Saints aren't running the offense they want to. It was encouraging to see Kamara get involved as a receiver. We haven't seen that. I guess the Latavius Murray stuff is over. He was really active as a runner a few weeks ago, but he hardly played in this game. But Breeze, what? It sounds like Breeze is still two more weeks away. He probably won't be back in week 15. Uh, you know, Hill, at least he's got Michael Thomas going, right? Michael Thomas yep. now is... Not the top five receiver, the top three receiver you may be paid for, but a wide receiver one. I don't get Michael Thomas questions anymore, which is nice. And I, I think Hill's probably their quarterback next year. You know, I mean, did he take too many sacks? Yes. Yes. Um, do you have to run kind of a little bit of a hybrid offense with him? Yes. But I mean, you know, he threw a deep touchdown to Sanders. They just missed on a second touchdown. The, the touchdown pass to Cook was a tremendous throw, a, a little bit out of desperation. I'll admit Hill has looked better as a passing quarterback than I expected when they initially – I thought he'd be kind of Tebow 2.0. I think he's been a little bit better than that. I I completely agree with you. I'm sort of a a sneaky like Taysom Hill guy if only because everybody hates him so much. It is weird. Like the Taysom Hill stuff, the the total negativity that with with, with some people think – like think about him, tweet about him, talk about him. I think it's a little weird. But – and I'm not normally like a virtuous guy like this. And you, you can tweet whatever you want. I don't really care. But I do think the amount of hate the guy gets is is a little strange. So from that angle, I've always kind of rooted for him. And then on the other side of it, you know, I still see people out there in the second half of this game wanting to get Taysom Hill benched for Jameis Winston. I, I my thought is, what has what what throughout Jameis's career? especially last year, did you see from him that he was going to be the one to bring this team back, you know, to, to lead a comeback against the, against the Eagles. It might be more fun for fantasy in a gross kind of, as you like to say, the carnival sense, you know, they could be that type of team with Jameis Winston. But yeah, I, I think that Sean Payton's not seen anything. I'm sure he's frustrated with the sacks. I'm sure he's frustrated with the fumbles. I don't think he's seen anything that's going to make him change his opinion. If this is what he thinks about Taysom Hill, we're going to continue to see Taysom Hill. And there's some good to good and bad to that. Like you said, he's still got Michael Thomas rolling. Jared Cook is popping up every now and again. Alvin Kamara is back involved in the receiving game. That is some nice th- that's some nice stuff to see from Taysom Hill. But obviously the big story here is Jalen Hurts and I think will continue. This is a it's a great defense in New Orleans too. I mean, number 2 in rush defense DVOA 
this was this was a big test in my opinion for him. We'll see his teams get more film on film on him. Uh, what we get going there, but for the most part, I, I was pretty psyched that Hurts debuted and uh, clearly brought some energy to this team. There was one in particular, one scramble he took off running. And, you know, he's got a pass rusher in his face. I'm like, Carson Wentz takes a sack there. Like, 2020 Carson Wentz takes a sack there 10 times out of 10. So, here we are. We keep it Hertz moving. Hurts had a rushing prop of 40 yards. I think he beat it in the middle of the second quarter. And oh, it, yeah. it, once you saw the first series, you knew that was just a bad number. And I, I know sometimes you can't always get the volume on a on a prop as you can. It just shows that there are some great opportunities if you do some shopping beforehand. And I, I think the big takeaways to Sanders, you know, now he'll, he'll be somebody you can play with confidence. And the Philadelphia offense was playing so poorly with Wentz. They couldn't sustain drives. So many. It wasn't just how he was throwing the ball. He was taking so many sacks. He was losing so many fumbles. And eventually that just emotionally deflates an offense. You have no confidence. There's no just kind of emotional buoyancy to the team. You know, Hurts gave them hope. Just the way I, I – kind of similar to the Bears. We talk about them getting their hope back with Trubisky because they were going nowhere with Foles. This offense has a chance now with Jalen Hurts, and that's all anybody can ask for. When you, when you see a team stalemated for like five or six weeks, is just to have a chance to threaten a defense, to, to actually threaten the defense hor- horizontally and vertically as they did with Hertz. And I think he threw the ball a lot better than I expected. I, I mean, they weren't as proactive with it in the second half. I think they weren't really sure how to close the game out because they had a multiple score lead against the Saints. So then it becomes a case of, hey, we don't want to blow the game. We don't want to give it away. Let's maybe, I mean, they might have gone to a shell maybe a little bit early, but I, I got to give Hertz like a B plus in this game. I was really impressed. Completely agree with you. Let's move on to uh, what should you know, kind of lived up to its potential chaotic ending uh, billing. Yes, here. it did. The Atlanta Falcons at the L.A. Chargers. Russell Gage has the uh, best touchdown throw among Atlanta Falcons players. That should tell you how this uh, how this one went. Um, on the Chargers side, Austin Eckler, nine catches, 67 yards, 15 carries on the ground. He's right there at you know workhorse level value you're playing him every single week here's an interesting one uh ragu wrote this on the outline i like this question next year who do you draft first scott calvin ridley or justin jefferson two guys that will probably still be the one b maybe maybe with jefferson the one b in their offense uh but ridley also awesome again today 10 targets a touchdown 124 yards that is a great question I think I might lean Jefferson, and I'm not even sure this reasoning is going to make sense. One, I, I was shut out of Jefferson this year because I'm I'm not very smart. I, I bought into the idea that Minnesota was going to bring him a lot. Remember, he wasn't even a starter on opening day, but so what? I mean, he established himself in the middle of September, and when he had that huge, what, 175 or 179 against Seattle, I know the Seahawks can't cover anything, but it's like, here I am, entertain me, get me in your lineups. And then it's like, then you start to think, well, how, how did Jalen, poor Jalen Rager, he's a good player, but I mean, just to be drafted ahead of Justin Jefferson, he may be linked to him for the, for the rest of his career. So I think because I missed Jefferson this year and maybe because I, I'm more open-minded to living the Vikings life than I, I've kind of had enough of Matt Ryan at this point in my career. I was yeah. open-minded to Ryan early in the year. I thought there'd be carnival potential here, maybe a bad defense, but maybe a very concentrated tree and a team that would get a lot of points late. It hasn't turned into that. The defense since the firing has been better than I expected. Ryan looks definitely on the backside of his career. And I mean like the 16th or 17th hole. I don't know how much left. We talked about the dinosaur of the of the immobile quarterback. I mean, that's Matt Ryan, right? He's getting there, yeah. Get, get, you know, solid pocket awareness, but he's not going to run it all. He really needs things around him to function. I think he needs a functioning running game. They really didn't have it today. They gave up on Todd Gurley just about right away. As you said, you know, this game... 
what do you need to know that the best throw, the, the highlight throw of the game was Russell Gage throwing a seed on that Ridley touchdown. I, I, I always love, I, I say that you shouldn't throw those passes when they're not open, but everybody's got a hero complex. But if you've got the hose that Gage has, just let it rip. I'm glad that <laughs> we got that. We got to see that highlight. And, you know, I think the winner from this game was the Atlanta social media feed, which did the yes. Spider-Man meme of the Charger and uh, Falcon logo and the Spidey setup. You're basically like, you know, we're, we're the same guy. And what did we see in the fourth quarter? Herbert throws a terrible pick. Ryan throws a terrible pick. And it, it almost looked like a game that was destined to be a tie until the Chargers kind of got their act together and got a field goal. And even when they kicked the field goal, I'm thinking, yeah, surely this kick is going to be 30 yards to the left. I mean, you just expect both of these teams to fail in the most colossal way possible. So I, I, they didn't play a tie. If there ever was going to be a game where both teams could lose, this would be the game. I guess the loser was anybody who needed fantasy production. You know, a very quiet Keenan Allen game, although he did get a touchdown to kind of bail out, and he always gets a lot of catches, but just 52 yards. Um, you know, the, the running backs didn't do what we expected. I, Herbert, a little bit of regression from him. I don't hold the Patriots game against him, but I thought he'd be a little bit better today. And the point, you're 20 to 17. This total was, I think, in the 50s. So, you know, Chargers and Falcons, we expect them to let us down, and I feel like that's kind of what this game gave us. Yep. Uh, I appreciated the self-awareness from Atlanta's uh, social media feed. That's about all you can ask for people in this world. Just be self-aware. You could be good. You could be bad. But just be aware of what you are. And it looks like the Falcons are at least aware of what they are. I I would say to answer the Calvin Ridley or Justin Jefferson question, right now as we sit here today, I'm 100% taking Justin Jefferson because I think he can be a special player. I mean, he's basically having Odell Beckham's rookie season without the highlight real catch where sure. everybody's going to know his name. Also, he plays in freaking Minnesota and not New York, so that makes a difference here too. Ridley is interesting because I think he's shown he can be a, a number one receiver. He does separate and get open at that level. At the same time, I'm with you. Got questions about Matt Ryan. And if the Falcons decide to go all like they're another team that's going to be facing a crossroads. Raheem Morris has had this team playing really well, especially from a defensive perspective. I think there could be some temptation. Like we're close enough where we're either we're not in a position really where we can just blow this thing up. We could run it back with Ryan, bring back Morris and just try to elevate our offense to a point where we have a good running back. We have a reliable number three receiver. We've got some competition for Hayden Hurst at tight end where you like, it doesn't matter who does not play. Hayden Hurst doesn't really produce in fantasy. It just that, that, that hasn't materialized there. So I think that if that, if the Falcons go that way, then maybe I'm, I'm picking Ridley just cause I think it could be that type of fun offensive environment for right now though. I think Jefferson is the answer there. Um, here's a team that no matter the question, the answer is always just probably don't want to mess around with this one. That's the New York Jets. Uh, yikes. You know, wasn't fun. Was not was not fun uh, at all. Russell Wilson was pulled in like the, four, the third quarter. He has four touchdown passes. Of course, they go to everybody except Tyler Lockett. But Lockett gets five catches for 52 yards. Six catches for 61 yards and a touchdown for DK Metcalf. Will Disley, um, you know, Freddie Swain, guys like that, they get in on the action. And the Jets, I mean, nothing's nothing's going right for the Jets uh, from a production angle. Denzel Mims misses this game with a personal matter. He might be back next week, uh, depending on all the like COVID protocols and everything like that. So I don't know. Not much to talk about there with the Jets, but and Seahawks didn't have to do much to win this game. 
Yeah, pat myself in the back. I, I had Braxton Berrios as being a sleeper to lead the Jets in receiving yards. Unfortunately, when he gets 49 yards, you can't even count that as a win, you know, because three hey, for 49 fact, is not going to get you. Scott, you, you called it right. The, the fact of the matter is he led the Jets in receiving yards, so take the lap. Yep. Not get, three for 49 is not going to get you into the fantasy semifinals, but um, I, I still – I'm going to die on this hill. I still think the Steelers or the Niners or the Colts should go after Sam Darnold in the offseason. The Jets are going to be in pole position to get a stud quarterback, whether it's Lawrence or Fields or, you know, they're going to get somebody and they're going to draft that guy. And I still think Darnold, who's younger than Joe Burrow, and they'll be factually correct for the rest of their careers because age is, you know, is static. Your birthday doesn't change last I checked unless you're a baseball prospect and then you, you know, you might change it. But I still think Sam Darnold can play. There was no evidence of that today against the bad Seattle defense, but I just think the confidence has been beaten out of him. And again, get him into a, an organization with good DNA. I would love him on the Steelers as the the guy to take over for Ben. I love him in a Frank Reich womb or a Kyle Shanahan. Well, maybe Atlanta. You know, maybe I, again, I don't know that all the teams' cap situations. Some of this may be wish casting, but we know anywhere from five to ten teams reset a quarterback. Maybe Sam Darnold could make a go of it in Denver. I don't know. The Jets are not the team for him, and I, and I hope he can go somewhere else. We saw today in Seattle kind of the downside of when you play a team that can't fight back. You don't get to play a full game. And yeah. then if you're Chris Carson, you only get 12 carries because you're you're not that far removed. For all the teams that have taken back their running backs or their players and gone no restrictions, remember the, the Chargers threw all caution to the wind when they got Eckler back. He had a career high in touches in his first game back at Buffalo. Seattle's been that one team that's been old school with that. Like, we're going to ease you in, Chris Carson. We're going to use a lot of Carlos Hyde. We're not going to overexpose you. They had Russell Wilson, I think, on the sidelines, you know, before he even had a sweat worked up. He already had four touchdowns. And we saw a much wider usage. Usually Seattle, it's Metcalf and and it's Lockett. And, you know, occasionally, you know, some of the other, you know, secondary guys like David Moore. But, you know, we saw touchdowns today to Will Disley, touchdowns today to, to Freddie Swain, who I wasn't even sure was on the roster. Moore caught a touchdown. I mean, whatever. You know, Metcalf's a you know, top five receiver. Lockett's a top 20 guy in my book, maybe even, you know, top 15. Uh, I'm fine with that. It, it's just sometimes when you see a blowout, you have to consider Seattle's the type of team. Not everybody does this. I remember the Patriots in years where they've been blowing teams out. They've thrown the ball in the fourth quarter. They haven't yanked guys. Seattle's a team, when they get the game well in hand, they button everything up. They bubble wrap guys. And it's just, yeah, you still got your four touchdowns out of Russ. You were fine with that. But I can understand how some of the other fantasy managers might be frustrated that they only got three quarters of their primary players. Yeah, Seattle's obviously just always going to lean conservative in that situation. I would definitely love to see Darnold in a place like Pittsburgh where he doesn't have to play right away. I mean, we'll mm-hmm. see with Ben, though. You know, I mean, Ben is uh, he's not been in exactly a guy that's pushing the ball down the field at this point uh, in the NFL season. So maybe he's not playing next year. We'll see. But yeah, anywhere where Darnold can sit for a year, rehabilitate while he's still on his rookie contract, that would be nice uh, for me. Speaking of one of those teams that you talked about, Darnold could go to Indianapolis. Uh, they took it to the Raiders today. Jonathan Taylor, it took a while to get going, but this is three straight games in a row for him. Obviously, he had a one-game stint on the COVID list there, but it's all coming together for Jonathan Taylor. 20 carries, 150 yards, 7.5 yards per carry, two touchdowns today. You can, again, it's matchups, right? Packers, Texans, Raiders. We get it. No good run defenses in there, but they're going to get the Texans again. Uh, The matchups are going to remain pretty good. For Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts, I think at this point he's a player that you shouldn't be asking start-sit questions 
about anymore. I know Naheem Hines is going to irritate some folks because he's still out there, but Hines is a good player, useful in the offense. But it does it's not really taking away from Taylor at this point. Yeah, you know, we've seen the delayed effect with a lot of rookie backs, and not that all of them pop today. I was really hoping that that um, Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift would both play well because I could say that Taylor Swift timed her album release for the uh, for the Jonathan Taylor and, and DeAndre Swift you know, explosion in Week 14. Unfortunately, uh, the Lions you know didn't really get their running game going, and, and you know, Swift's first game back was kind of a dud. But you know, Taylor, he today justified everything that they liked about him out of Wisconsin. We saw him run more decisively. It sure helped that they were just blowing the Raiders off the line of scrimmage. It reminded me a lot. I know they're different styles of runners, but I remember the game that, that Cam Akers had Thursday night, and as great as he looked and as, as impressed as I was, the Rams were blowing the Patriots off the line of scrimmage, and there's Akers getting ahead of steam and getting to take a few steps and pick a lane and not have to be immediately under stress and under tension. And that's what I saw from Taylor today. He had functional space to get his run started, and then he did what you're supposed to do. Be decisive, run with acceleration, finish your run. And I, I thought he was terrific, and I, I feel stupid for not having any DFS exposure to him because I don't know what the Raiders do well on defense. It, it surely wasn't tackled Nothing. today or, or you know set their edges well. I mean, the, the gap discipline was horrible. And, uh, you know, Phillip Rivers, you know, he just keeps trucking along to T.Y. Hilton, who I, I basically gave up for dead in fantasy four or five weeks <laughs> yeah. ago. He's been really – and I'm, look, I'm happy to see T.Y. Hilton playing well. And shout out to A.J. Green, who I think had a touchdown in that Bengals game. I mean, you know, these guys are borderline Hall of Famers. It's fun to see them playing well again. Unfortunately, the Colts' passing tree is always going to be a phone book. Nobody's going to get 10 targets here. It's just the way they – it's the way Rivers operates. It's probably the way Frank Reich wants to operate. So, you know, today, if you, ha- if you needed to play Hilton, you did great. If you needed to play Taylor – Big game, and I think you can apply that forward. You, the, the question is, okay, does this mean he's going to be the bell cow the rest of the way? I have to assume the answer is yes, and that Taylor has – he's graduated start-sit now. We're no, I'm no longer an, answering Jonathan Taylor questions. Yes. Either you start him or your team is so loaded with talent that you're just showing off to ask me the question in the first place. <laughs> you don't need to ask me anymore. Well, uh, and it's that, both of the things that you said about Taylor too, the fact that the Colts offensive line was blowing the Raiders off the ball and that Taylor was running decisively and and getting into the holes and going. Both of those things were not happening for for the most part of the first half of the year. The offensive line was very disappointing and Taylor I think just wasn't up to the speed of the game yet, but I think it's all coalescing at the same time. Now, if anyone missed uh the kerfuffle as Ragu puts it on the uh, the outline, I don't I don't know why I'm outing you here, Ragu, but I've just would never say the word uh, kerfuffle in my entire life. I'm sure no one cares now that I'm having this uh, debate with myself. Josh Jacobs made a joke on on his Instagram that he wasn't playing today. Uh, he did play today. If you benched him because of that, you didn't miss much. 13 carries, 49 yards for 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 Josh Jacobs. Uh, had three catches for 25 yards. So if you benched him, whatever. Uh, Nelson Aguilar really was the only guy who did much uh, from a ceiling perspective for fantasy. Uh, he caught a touchdown, went over, went at a, right at 100 yards. Darren Waller had his typical Darren Waller day, seven catches for 75 yards. Yeah, you know, I, I got some pushback about this on Twitter. I'll, I'll try to make this short because I don't want to be the old man yelling at a cloud. I think the NFL needs to be careful with what Jacobs did today because, I, look, I, I like a good – Instagram or Twitter or Facebook joke as much as the next guy. I spend a lot of time on social media. Let's let's have fun. We talked about how much we love what the Falcons did before their game. That's all cool. 
But what the NFL, a, a league that has built itself on fantasy interest and gambling interest, let's, let's be honest, the, the NFL, the great thing about the NFL is the two worst teams in the league can be playing on a Thursday night, and we watch it, we not watch just because it, yeah. we like football, but because we have fantasy interest, and we might have a pick in our pool, we might have a couple bucks on the game, whatever it is, and that stuff's becoming more and more common, more and more legal. And with that, there needs to be certain disclosures. We need to know. That's why the injury report exists in the first place. It's it's basically the NFL would never come out and say it front door, but it's basically information for gamblers and for people who have financial interest in the game. You can't have Aaron Rodgers say, you know, joking around, well, I don't know if I'm playing today. You know, the ankle's kind of sore. No, just kidding. Four touchdowns, you know. I, I know a running back doesn't move the line. And Josh Jacobs, you know, uh, he's a good player. He's, he's maybe not a generational player or something like that. But And I know there are smiley faces on the post. But the league needs to make it clear to, to the players that, you know, we, we can't be joking around about what a player's availability is or a player's status is because we have partners now that we didn't have before. It used to be that people bet with the neighborhood bookie. Now everything's legal in, in a lot of states. You know, we have a partner over at BetMGM. Uh, you know, you can get the really good first deposit deals. I hope you check that out and, and listen to our Thursday podcast where Dalton and I do the handicapping. I know Jacobs was trying to have fun. I, I just think it's a time where we need to be upfront with disclosures and who's on the field and stuff. So so maybe that's just not the thing to do. Tell me this, Matt. I was against the John Gruden hiring. And then about a month ago when I saw the Raiders looking like a playoff team and, and you know, they won at Kansas City and that was a front door win, man. They They beat them. A to Z that day, and then they almost beat them in the rematch. I'm thinking, okay, Raiders pretty legit. And they go to Atlanta, play like they'd never met before. They only won from the Jets because the Jets absolutely refused to win that football game. The Raiders had no right winning. And then today, they just got the snot kicked out of them. Who are the Raiders? Because I I feel like I've been wrong on this team all season. Yeah, I feel that this is one of those situations where I think that because the Raiders – I think all year have exceeded expectations. They're a better team than I expected them to be. They're a better team than most people probably expected them to be. I think the temptation, especially this always happens, Island games against the best team in the NFL in Kansas City, we overrated. We also, there was like a weird need, it felt like, for everyone to try to apologize to Derek Carr at once for like, hey, we're so sorry for saying exactly what you've been your entire career, which is a check down guy that doesn't necessarily elevate the players around him. We're sorry for telling the truth throughout your entire career. Let's apologize for that. That felt a little strange because I think we just are where we are with this team. I do think Gruden has absolutely been a success in terms of his offensive coaching. Their offense is good. I love the way they design offense. However, their defense stinks. I mean, that is a huge, huge problem. They're another team that I think could look at one side of the ball and go all in, go ham on fixing the defense this year. Maybe they, they, they probably need to resign out Nelson Aguilar. They might, they might've wanted to consider not taking a luxury player at Henry Ruggs as the first receiver off the board. And he's basically the only rookie receiver who's not doing anything, but by and large, I think Gruden has, th- that was a hire that was pretty much laughed at by a lot of people. I think he's been a success so far. I think, I think that's fair. Um, is Aguilar finally in the circle of trust. I like what he does on a per I think so. opportunity basis, but I'm always afraid that he's getting like a three or four target game because I always be around the, the around the corner and maybe his skill set doesn't perfectly match up with Carr, but he's had too many good games for me to ignore. And I think, you know, Ruggs, this is, this is going to be one of those receiver classes. I mean, we, I, I look, I go on football reference constantly and look at the 2014 class, the, the Beckham mm-hmm. class, you know, um, Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins, 
all the great receivers in that group. And then last year we saw, you, you know me, I'm a suffering Nikhil Harry guy. I always have to yeah. think, you know, why couldn't the Patriots have Metcalf or, or you know, McLaurin or A.J. Brown, who was, who was terrific again today. And unfortunately, Henry Ruggs, you're the guy who came out first. The Raiders yep. love deep speed. And you, I think you still have an excellent chance to be a great football player and you maybe get to a Pro Bowl level or something. But I got to figure if they redrafted, man, I got to figure C.D. Lamb and, and Justin Jefferson and maybe even yeah. Judy might go ahead yeah. and Ruggs. Yeah, I mean, look, it, you bring up those two classes. 2014, I feel like a lot of Bills fans probably wish they drafted Mike Evans or Odo Beckham. Obviously, those guys, especially Beckham, his career has gone a different way since the New York days. But yeah, definitely Watkins was the clear guy of that class, right? The, the Bills traded up for him. They went crazy to, to fourth overall pick to get Watkins. I think there's a lot of regrets there uh, from that sense. And obviously, he's not playing. For, he's playing on his third team now, is Sammy Watkins. Your guy, Nikhil Harry, you mentioned that there's so much talent. that I think that Ruggs could – and Harry's coming off a good game against the Rams. Like yeah. Maybe his career levels out and he's Super a Super sideline catch. That was the best play of his career, that sideline catch, a- I think. Absolutely. That was probably the best game of his career, which is not ideal when you're saying like that that's the bar. But here we are. So, yeah, I think those guys could all be good players, just like Watkins has been a pretty good NFL player, just never develop into superstars. But um, we'll see. You talked about Alex Smith earlier. I think I'm seeing it now that uh, apparently there's no – major injury for Alex Smith. He just has a calf strain. X-rays were otherwise negative. Uh, that comes in from Mort Report, uh, Chris Mortensen. So that's good news for Alex Smith because uh, I, I probably don't want to see Dwayne Haskins running this offense. I, I think you can argue that Dwayne Haskins has maybe not been given the most fair shot at the NFL level, but there's no question that Alex Smith keeps this offense afloat much more than Haskins does at this point. Yeah, it's, it's at the point that they've seen enough negative things with Haskins that when he comes in the game, they're just afraid to let him do anything, to let him really. And of course, he, look, he inherited a lead against a team that can get nasty on defense, so they didn't really want him to do that much. I, I can't imagine Haskins came into this game with any level of confidence. Uh, it's been frustrating no. two straight games where Terry McLaurin hasn't done anything, but it's, it's hard to blame him when the quarterback gets unplugged this week. You know, J.D. McKissick, he kind of is what he is. We, we know the touches are going to be there in the yardage, but he's got almost no touchdown equity. And yeah. I, I feel like if there was going to be a rushing touchdown this week, you know it was probably going to be Peyton Barber or maybe even one of the quarterbacks would run it in. Washington knows what they are. What a nasty defense. Chase Young was Love unbelievable it. today. That def- Every time I looked up, it, it felt like they were causing havoc. To the Niners' credit, they, they hung in and they got back in the game. But um, that defense is going to be uh, going to be nasty. It's it's set up to be really good. I, again, defense is, doesn't carry over year to year as much as offense. But I think this could be maybe the best defense in football next year. I think it has that kind of potential. And Young's been hurt most of the year or much of the year, so we haven't even really seen him spread his wings yet. But Washington knows what they are. Um, they they want they they're a football team, literally a football team. <laughs> I mean, they're the most generic offense in the league probably right now. Even though I do like. Gibson an awful lot. I do like McLaurin an awful lot. McKissick has been useful. Logan Thomas, not that bad if, if you have low expectations. A tight end, he did catch six balls today. And, you know, man, the, the 49ers, you were talking about rookie receivers. I didn't even mention Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk, yep. For the, the last one I month always, has been I always probably forget like about five or six or something like that. Yep. He's terrific. I, I mean, obviously, um, Debo got hurt early in this game. But, I mean, Ayuk's doing it. Missing some time with you know Nick Mullins is another guy I think is a great backup. You, you really don't want to you don't want Nick Mullins to be um, on your car the whole season, you know. And, and mm-hmm. the, the Niners are seeing that he makes it just just enough throws to keep you in a game, and then makes just enough mistakes to kind of take you out of it. Pocket awareness was a problem. Ball security is a problem. 
the 49ers, though, so much skill talent here. I still, I'm still a wonk for for Kyle Shanahan. Totally, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think this team could easily go back to the playoffs next season if they just get a little. They had the worst injury luck I think in the league this year. I don't know what to do with the backfield. I want to be a Raheem Mostert guy, but it seemed like Jeff Wilson was the guy getting the snaps late in this game, even though uh, Mostert was about even in touches. I, I maybe a little bit ahead. I think Wilson probably had a much heavier snap share. It might be more in the circle of trust although he did lose a fumble in this game. So I'm not really sure what to do with that. I'm still going to be pro Niners. It's just not going to be until next season. Yeah. Mostert went to the locker room at one point in this game. So monitor that as well. Him and Debo, but like those guys have been banged up off and on everybody on the freaking 49ers has been banged up off and on all year. But those two guys in particular, it's like they have had several series now of they've come back. They've missed time again. They've come back. They've missed time again. You got to think that at some point the team is going to think. I know they're, they're still a fringe playoff team, whatever. You got to think at some point they're going to get shut down, especially Debo, who keeps injuring the hamstring. That's a, that's one that could be super aggravating. At some point, they're probably going to think about shutting those guys down. Last game here, Green Bay at Detroit. Uh Pretty pretty much expectations here, other than Aaron Jones not going crazy. I mean, this was a team that he dropped 236, I think, total yards on back in week two. And that was not that type of game for Aaron Jones here. Jamal Williams, 10 carries, 38 yards. He continues to figure in the mix. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, though, three touchdowns, 133 passer rating. Probably the because he's got the better narrative, probably the favorite to win MVP over uh, Patrick Mahomes at this point. Well, Mahomes was a heavy favorite into this week. Mahomes was – you had to put up more money. I think maybe minus 300, minus 400, something like that. Rodgers was still 5-1, to one, but the gap's going to close significantly with Mahomes coming off a three-interception game. Rodgers, I mean, he's probably the most efficient touchdown interception guy in the league to the point that you wonder if he plays to that at times. Does he really let it rip completely because he doesn't want to throw picks? But Jesus, I mean, the way, the way he's yeah. producing – uh, yeah, how can you complain? Uh, Devontae Adams, what a clinic. He easily could have had a second touchdown. My, I, I know you're the re- reception perception guy. He's my favorite. Now that um, Baldwin's been retired for a couple of years, Devontae Adams is my favorite guy to watch when it comes Best to receiver running, in the setting people year. up. Uh, winning in space and, and winning with separation, even though he's not a true burner. You, you don't think of him as you know running past people. But I, I love him. He's going to be a, a league winner for people. And, man, if he is healthy a full season, I think he might have been 20, 25 touchdowns might have been in play because he and Rodgers can just finish each other's sentences at this point. Disappointing game for Jones because we know the Lions are one of the best matchups. And Jones got enough volume, you would think. He just didn't make enough explosive plays. And then at the goal line, you know, Rodgers throws three, runs one in himself. So um, I don't know if Jones is the touchdown. We knew he's going to have touchdown regression from last year, but it's hit pretty hard for him. Uh, you still have to keep starting him because he's on a good offense and he's still going to be their primary back. But I feel like whenever they get close to scoring, like if I'm out of the room and I hear the Packers score a touchdown, I always assume it's a touchdown pass. Yeah. Yep. For real. And, and like you said, Adams is completely dialed in. I think he has – you can give up names otherwise, Tyreek Hill, whatever. But I think Devontae Adams has on balance. I thought he was an elite receiver coming into this year. Uh, he's you know, a number guy one overall, which I think the highest you can rank somebody. I do believe so, yes. <laughs> so I thought he's an elite receiver coming to this year, but he's only added like an exclamation point to that. And on the lines, uh, Matthew Stafford was injured for some of this game, especially later on. We'll see. We'll see what happens to the Detroit Lions. I feel like Stafford is a guy, another guy that I'm wish casting to like the 49ers or, or something like that. Draft DeAndre um, Swift next year. I, I, not that I think he's going to be inexpensive. I think a lot of people are going to be in on him, but I mean, you know, there'll be a, probably a new coaching staff or if Dable's still there, he knows what Swift can do. 
They were really slow to give him the baton. Even Adrian Peterson, of all people, was saying, hey, I don't know why they're not using him more. I think next year, <laughs> I, I think Swift has a chance. I, I, I don't want to put this on anybody that he's, he's going to be as good as Dalvin Cook. But it's one of those cases where I think you see that he has explosive upside. Yeah. He could be a top five, top six running back. And you're not going to have to draft him anywhere near that. He'll probably, probably be a, what, a late second, early third round pick. And I, I'll be willing to make that next year. Completely agree. All right. So that's it for our week 14 Sunday recap. Scott, plug your stuff, man. What you got coming up this week? Sure. Uh, my Booms and Bust piece goes live tonight. I've already written half of it. I haven't done the bulleted stuff yet, but it's basically your debrief from everything that happened in week 14. I'll be doing the pickups podcast for Tuesday release with Andy Barons and then the handicapping pod with Dal Don. That's a Thursday release. And then, you know, later in the week, the usual stuff, the injury wrap on the weekend and the question and answer Twitter stuff on Fantasy Football Live. So if you're good to go for the semifinals, let's get you in the finals. Yeah, well, so us goofballs, me, Liz, Andy, Tank, whatever, uh, Jared as well now, when we're all doing the, the lame uh, video stuff, Scott's out there doing the real work, man. Answering all those start sick questions like, I do not envy you, my friend. You are a gem. I appreciate you uh, being on this podcast. While you're waiting for all of Scott's great content to come out, check out all the other many podcast offerings we have here at Yahoo Sports. The Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. And the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at Scott underscore Pianowski. One more thanks to planters andy and scott as he said are going to be back tomorrow to talk pickups until then we're out